0: Welcome to Lost in Menstruation, a podcast for women who want to find a better way to hormonal health. I'm your host, Gemma Barry, an ex-nurse, period activist, comedian and herbalist. You might think that's a strange combination, but I wouldn't be where I am without those skills, let me tell you. Be ready for health tips and banter, no filter talking, belly laughs, and most importantly, finding your map so you aren't lost in menstruation. This is the stuff you wish you'd known years ago, but it's never too late. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Lost in Menstruation. Today, I wanted to chat a little bit about the post that I put out in response to a wonderful article that was published in The Guardian last week about how surgery can make endometriosis worse. Um, It's a really, really, really interesting topic. And I know there were a lot of you that got in contact with me and was like, Jim, can you explain more about this, please? Because there's a lot of weight parked on our laps all the time about finding our own way through having this condition. I mean, we have to battle so hard to be heard in the first place to actually get a diagnosis and then once we get a diagnosis the it just doesn't stop in trying to find and negate the best way through all of this I want to say heads up straight away that it's whatever works for you there is no right and wrong way however I caveat that with the knowledge that it, because it is so hard to get the diagnosis in the first place, this has knock-on consequences to our health and our well-being and actually leaves us wide open to other problems later on down the line. Um, and this is why this is such a, a hot topic and something that I really want to talk about. Now, before I get into um, the meat of what the article is about, it will be in the show notes, so you can have a read through it if you haven't made yourself familiar with it already. But endometriosis and adenomyosis, I would put the two together, are um, considered a chronic disease. And chronic meaning long-term and acute meaning short-term. So if you stub your toe, hurts like a motherfucker. That is an acute episode of pain. Um, and chronic, the NHS quote to say that chronic pain is 12 weeks or more despite medication or treatment. Now, on average, it takes eight years to get a diagnosis for endo and adeno. So where this 12 weeks comes in, I am at a bit of a loss, to be honest. And it really sits heavy on me that the reason for this is if you have a uterus, then you are not listened to. That's pretty much how it boils down. Now, I know there are some people out there who have amazing consultants, they've had amazing doctors, and that is not what this is about. This isn't trying to have a witch hunt on doctors per se. This is trying to open up a discussion and a debate about the fundamental patriarchy that runs systemically through our health service. And what that means is that if you have a uterus, you are not listened to. That is very troubling. And we're seeing that that is a problem more and more because of these massive years' wait lists. I mean, imagine if you had to wait this long for cancer. I mean, we'd be dead, frankly. So the very nature of what we are telling our health service that we are having a problem with, i.e. we're getting pelvic pain, heavy painful periods, um, maybe intermittent spotting, irregular periods. You know, endometriosis and adeno have a myriad of symptoms that isn't the same for everybody. There are some classic ones, like that I've just mentioned, but they aren't the same for everyone. No matter when we present to our health professional with this information, we are often just told to go on to hormonal um, contraception, be that pills, implants, um, patches, whatever. And then we're given pain medication, and then we're given antidepressants, and in amongst all of that, we might well be given surgery and then we might be given a hysterectomy. Now, there's no shame and judgment to anyone who's had this. It's, I've had surgery. I was asked. I was told I needed a hysterectomy. I chose not to, to go down that road for myself. There is no shame or blame here. Wherever you're at, whatever has happened to you, the disservice has come from the fact that this fundamental belief... That periods and everything hormonal is meant to be a shitstorm, is the disservice. Buy into this narrative, we are told it through our upbringing, our society, our media content. I can sometimes forget that I'm in such a bubble of uh, those that work really hard to change this narrative. That I think, oh, you know, massive change has happened. And then I step outside of that bubble and I realise, no, it really hasn't. And that's why this article is so important. Because it is opening up ways in which we can speak to our healthcare professionals. Because there is no doubt in my mind that we have to advocate for ourselves. Very much so within this arena of Um, women's and non-binary, gender-fluid health, however you align. Because we don't have... We're already on the back foot for um, people taking us seriously. We're already on the back foot for being labelled hysterical, even though that went out of vogue in nineteen eighty. It's still very much used uh, now. You know, too sensitive, too hormonal, too extreme. If this was a problem with the penis, there is no way if we would be taking eight years to get a diagnosis or something. It just wouldn't happen. But the very nature of how medicine has been tried and tested throughout millennia has made it so that a male form and biology has been seen as standard and everything else is substandard. Um, For a very long time, women were just seen as men light. so you know, everything worked the same apart from the fact you had a uterus. And this was thought to, you know, send you crazy, send you mad, wander around your body. Sometimes with some of the conversations that I hear from people, I wonder if that kind of mentality and philosophy is still very much ingrained in our medical system. Because the amount of go and have a baby, just grin and bear it, take the pain medication, it's only a bad period that I have heard is astounding in 2021. There are two studies that prove my point further, for endo at least. I mean, women's health is is, um, very... Poorly researched. I mean, look at the issues we've had with the vaccine. Um you know, it is anecdotally changing women's periods, or those with uteruses have periods, but um it isn't even on the radar as a mention. So the two studies, and I've quoted these a lot, have been the impact on a man's sex life living with a woman with endometriosis and if women with endometriosis are more attractive than those who aren't. These are two studies that got funding, that got researched. The attractiveness one did get pulled, thankfully, because there was so much uproar about it. But these are the types of studies that are being done and money is being spent rather than finding actual help and you know useful information about how women's sex lives perhaps are affected or is not perhaps they are affected with endometriosis so that is the place that I am coming from with this and I hope that has set some context about how I'm going to be talking about it going So a bit more context about the different strands of endometriosis diagnosis. They talk about superficial peritoneal endometriosis, cystic ovarian and deep. Now, cystic ovarian is, as it suggests, where the endometriosis forms cysts called um, endometriomas. Or chocolate cysts is the common name, if you like. Um, And these can be obviously quite uncomfortable. And surgery can be helpful to have these removed. I had a cyst removed during surgery. Um, I had a dermoid cyst, which is different. Again, this is usually filled with things like teeth and other skin cells and stuff like that. Um, So the other is deep endometriosis and this is where the lesions endometriosis endometriosis lesions grow into um the outside of the uterus into the muscle or deep into other organs in and around the body doesn't have to be just in the pelvic space um and that's quite specialized because one We concentrate on endo being mainly in the pelvis and can be found, like I say, all over the body. But two, this promotes its own set of um, specialities because of the very nature of it being deeper. Now, the interesting thing about deep endo is that it tends to site itself in places that are rich with nerve endings and we're going to go and talk into more detail about this, but it's this um, enmeshment with the nerve endings that is creating quite a lot of the pain within our bodies. In terms with all of this, it's really important that you find an expert in the field. Not all gynecological Um, consultants are trained in dealing with these specific problems and so if you are going to have surgery you absolutely need to do your homework and make sure that you find somebody that is excellent at what they do because a lot of the time repeat surgeries are needed because it wasn't done properly in the first place and scar tissue and lesions and stuff have, have started to mesh together. And that is problematic as well. Now, superficial peritoneal is... Um, peritoneal means it's the, the membrane that um, covers the abdomen and the pelvic area. And it, it covers all of the organs in and around that area too. This is what 80% of people with endo have. And this is um, the type of endo that they are finding surgery isn't particularly helpful for and actually can make matters worse. Now, to understand why that is, uh, we need to look a little bit at um, how pain is kind of produced and felt in the body. And. Um, but they're finding now that endo is interacting with our, our nerve endings and um, that actually can be the root cause of <clears throat> the pain that we're feeling. So pain is one of the bigger symptoms, like one of the most common symptoms with endometriosis and adeno. Um, and what they are finding now is that this is to do with nerves more than anything else. and all chronic conditions like this, stem from inflammation. Inflammation is the cause of disease in all facets. So reversing inflammation in the body is one of the key things. Um, And in terms with How allopathic medicine works by doing that is to remove with surgery, to give um, hormones and painkillers. This doesn't often address inflammation. It helps to subdue symptoms, sure, but it doesn't help to look at the underlying cause of, um, of inflammation in the body. And that is where looking at things like diet, lifestyle, using different herbal remedies, um, exercise, meditations, like an overhaul in your um, in your life, can help to reduce inflammation because inflammation is caused by many different things. All right, it's not just um, you know back to stubbing your toe it's not just when you stub your toe that you get the inflammation um around the toe that you've just bashed against the wall uh that inflammation will carry through your body but also you know how we feel about that how we react to it um also challenges the inflammation in our body and I know that that's probably too basic a um analogy but it's true it's it's true enough to say that how you feel about something I use this analogy a lot actually with um my hypnobirthing clients and I used to teach them if you are it's a sunny day you're leaving the house because you're going to a, a wedding I mean we're just leaving the house right now because even that's exciting without actually going anywhere um you know you're excited. You're going to see people. There's going to be dancing, a party, whatever. You stub your toe. That's a completely different. I mean, it hurts, but it's a completely different uh, mindset to a Monday morning. It's peeing down with rain. You can't find your papers that you need to take to work. You uh, the dogs eating your homework. You haven't got a clean shirt. Um, or a pair of pants you know and you're running late and then you stub your toe I mean that is a completely different set of circumstances so our surroundings our environment really impact um, the way that we view things and that has an impact on our outward environment and also our inward environment of our body um so the um so this inflammation is is really key at at reducing that however you decide to go with um your treatment plan reducing the inflammation in the body is going to be key but there are lots of people who have uh, reversed stuff like myself simply by having that removed out of their system um and it is ongoing you know Like, it's ongoing. Now, what is interesting is some of the stats that they um, provided in this article that 60% of women experienced pelvic pain for more, or five years and more, um, and that 40% uh, had so much pain that they had to go to um, A&E. Now, if I take you back to um, what the NHS quote as what is chronic Um, pain is anything longer than 12 weeks and yet women are waiting five years I don't know about you but I think that's pretty shitty so talking about pain and I'll probably use hypnoperthing again as an example here but pain is felt in the brain it isn't felt in the body so our central nervous system is like the underground for feeding um, information back to us so if we put our hand on something hot it's in a nanosecond that sensation is whipped up to the brain to go get your hand off that's fucking hot you'll burn yourself and you take it away. If we don't have pain receptors in the body there is a very rare condition where um, some children are born Uh, where they can't feel pain. And it's a real issue because you hurt yourself left, right and centre. And we need that pain receptors as a boundary as to what's good for us and what isn't. So looking at pain and how that rolls in our body, the more pain you are in that goes unnoticed, undealt with, the more problematic that is for you at the end of the day. That is the cold, hard facts of the matter. Because basically, what we're doing is we're triggering the pain response in our body and we're not doing anything about it. So, we're continuing to prod the hornet's nest, if you like. So, what this means in terms of endometriosis is we start developing pain, heavy periods, you know, whatever symptoms that you are experiencing. And we go somewhere and say, "I'm experiencing X, y, and Z, and we're told um, you know this is it's just a bad period. It, it's IBS. I mean sometimes it's you know it's taken away from the fact that it's actually anything to do with our periods um, and all of this transpires against us. The message then becomes, I'm not trusting myself." I have got something the matter with me, but I keep being told that everything is fine. That is medical gaslighting, right? And this is what I see a lot of when I'm working with clients um, who say to me, this is the first time I've ever felt heard. This is the first time someone has listened to me. That I've been able to sort of vomit up this furball of emotion and frustration and sit with it. You know, and this is—it's really important that we're able to do this. And when we're not, and when our pain is normalized, our body starts shouting louder and louder and louder. And what happens is that the um, pathways, you know, in our central nervous system, from um, our brain and our our spinal cord, start to change, and it does this because it has to up the ante, it has to make it louder. So it starts to learn and understand that okay, well, you know, at volume two, no one's going to do anything. Uh, so I'm gonna up it to, to volume four. And a lot of a lot of women, you know, are at volume, the speakers are busting because I, I cannot shout anymore and are exhausted by this whole long and very lengthy process. But in terms of this superficial peritoneal endometriosis, I, I have issues with the term superficial because it just sounds like well, it's nothing. Um, but in terms with this, um what we are or what science is finding out is that a lot of this is neuropathic pain which is damage to nerve endings and this makes sense and this is why surgery is ineffective and sometimes damaging to those that have superficial peritoneal um endometriosis which again is around 80 percent uh because you're when you um, operate on someone and you are uh, doing excision or whatever else you're actually running the risk of slicing through nerve endings that have you know wrapped themselves or are working through the lesions the endometriosis lesions because the nerves can grow and mesh with these lesions and therefore while we're taking them out we're disrupting that and uh actually making well i don't know why i said the royal we then i'm not doing it uh it actually makes things worse because then your your le- nerves are like the ele- electrical pulses you're basically leaving a bare wire loose right and that it's got nothing to fire off of so it's just firing off in the pelvis or you know wherever but it, it's going to be in the pelvis more likely than not um and that is why the uh, surgery, like I say, can make things worse. Um, Nerves can also be damaged uh, because the lesions compress them, uh, and like I say, they become very hypersensitive. There uh, is a great um, TED talk, I'll see if I can um, fish it out and put it in the show notes, um, about uh, this exact phenomenon. Um, I forget who the guy's name is now, but He um, was walking through the bush in Australia and thought his leg had just been brushed up, you know, scuffed by a twig or whatever. And it turns out that he was actually bitten by a brown snake, which is very serious. And um, anyway, he was fine. He recovered after some time. And then he went out walking in the bush again after that, was indeed scratched by a twig, and fell down in absolute agony because his brain had gone mayday this is what happened last time and actually it was a brown snake that bit you so the pain was amplified massively because of this neural pathway that had been made because of this um your brain is very smart at putting two to two two and two together sometimes and making eight but we can understand where that has come from because your brain is always about keeping you safe that's all it cares about it doesn't give a shit about emotions or how you feel about anything it just wants to keep you safe um and alongside with um the findings of uh, you know the nerve and all of that kind of stuff what has been anecdotally very noticeable for me in my work is um how much your mental health is affected by this condition. Now, I mean, it's a chicken and egg, isn't it? If you've got a chronic condition, you're highly likely to feel depressed about it at some point. So does the depression come from the chronic uh, condition or was the condition come from having um, the other way around? (laughs) I don't know which way I said first. Uh, But what we do know is that your lived experience thus far plays a massive role on how we feel and experience our lives, but also pain within the body. And with chronic conditions, it's very, very likely that you will go on to get um, other problems, maybe like depression, chronic fatigue, um, fibromyalgia. And I see this a lot. I see a lot um, of people with this umbrella of, of conditions. Now, I'm very conscious of saying, you haven't imagined this happening to you. This isn't like, well, you've just manifested all of this shit on your plate. No, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying here is that those um, other conditions, like to take depression, for example, can make and does make pain louder. does. What is happening is that the um, pathways in your body start to change. So our brains have um, are, are very plasticine. You know, there's neuroplasticity. We can change and, and manipulate our brain, and so we can with our nerves and stuff as well. Um, and what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way here, I suppose, is because it takes so long to get a diagnosis, because we're suffering basically, because we're having trauma because of that. This is making our symptoms worse. If we get the care that we need, if we feel safe with our practitioners, if we feel that we're being listened to, if we feel that we're being given, you know, chance to explore stuff, if we feel that we're uh, in on the decisions, if we don't feel like we're being just bulldozed into one route and that's it, either you do that or you, you know, or you take my way or the highway. If we're not told a whole crock of bollocks about having to go and have children, if we are given, you know, a proper conversation about what this means for our fertility, for example, if we have compassion, if we have empathy, if we are believed, when we pitch up at the very very beginning, when we're noticing stuff with our bodies and we're not just plugged up with hormonal treatments, then the chances are we wouldn't be getting into this massive pickle that we are in at the moment. This is a like an epidemic. Um, I have done so much reading about the history of health and Sometimes I feel like we have not moved on from the dark ages. You know, we're still looked at as being hysterical. We're still looked at as being sensitive, as it's just having a bad period and all of these kind of things. And this actively impinges the help that we get, all right? It actively stops us from getting the right care. And this is, I mean... I don't know if there's a study done on it. I'd like to do the study myself. But we are going to see, when we look back on this in 100 years' time, we're going to be like, what? But we're going to see this correlation of um, the diagnosis time, the treatment that we've had during this time, and the causation on our mental health. And that, in turn, affects our pain. So we've just got this massive amount of um, of spiralling going on because basically we aren't being taken seriously enough. Chronic pain is a, is a nightmare. Pain in itself is very helpful, but when it's left to be feral like that, it is a nightmare. And I know that there are, are, are many people out there who... Have struggled with it, but you know, even family members not believing them, partners, all sorts of stuff. But people just can't wrap their heads around the fact that sometimes you can't get out of bed, um, or you're, you know, you're absolutely flawed. It's not normal, and yet we're told that it is, and we know it's not. Intrins- intrinsically, in our heart of hearts, we know that this isn't normal. But it's also very um, exhausting. We're already exhausted, but it's even more exhausting having to um, fight for it the whole time. And, you know, we're told every step of the way you need to be your own advocate. You absolutely do. But that's really tiring as well. So I hope this has been helpful. If you have any questions, please do um, come find me on the socials, drop me um, an email, um, leave a comment on this podcast. It's not going to be the um, be and end all. We'll be talking about this for a long, long time. But I just wanted to really kind of shed a little bit more light and and my thought and opinion on um, why I thought this was a useful um, article. But also not to make us all feel like, oh my God, now I don't know what to do, you know, best for myself because i'm about to have surgery um and it really it's having this frank conversation with your healthcare provider um and having the language to ask them about stuff like i say when i work with people we um because of my background in medicine i'm able to help them negotiate this find their way through it um, but also allow them time and space to come to the decisions and things that are helpful and right for them the medical model isn't always right Um, if you know my story uh you will know why i'm saying that it's not something i say lightly it's not something that i'm trying to be edgy about or sensational over nothing is 100% working uh with your diet your lifestyle herbs all of that is it's never going to make anything worse ever and it might just be enough to really undo quite a lot of stuff that makes things starts to make things feel really uh, really uncomfortable comfortable um and I know I've had uh, a lot of um, success working with, um, pain for all, you know, not just endo, but all sorts of different things. So, um, if this strikes a chord and you have any comments or questions, like I say, drop me a message in myriad of ways that you can. And, um, yeah, I shall see you back here sometime soon. All right, my loves, take care. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved it, feel free to leave a comment and give us a follow. You can find more information on my website, thewellwomanproject.com, or come find me on The Grid, on Insta, or on my Facebook page. You can also drop me an email, Gemma at thewellwomanproject.com. Any information we've shared today will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Big love, Gem.